Hello and welcome to the 2020 edition of the Green Eggs and Sam NBA Draft Podcast. Oh man, we weren't sure if we were going to be doing this this year. We're used to doing this in June, but here we are in November. We got football going on, but yeah, weird times. It's been a crazy year, very emotional year. A lot of players, very emotional getting picked in the NBA draft. Understandable though. So today I actually have a very special guest. My brother is here. He's helping us on the podcast. What's up? He'll be uh, chiming in uh, throughout tonight, uh, giving us some news updates, his takes on things. We'll start off with the number one pick here, Anthony Edwards, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, would you call him a, a swingman or more of a shooting guard, Edwards? I would say you could call him either, but I would go more of a swingman at this point in his career. I feel like he's going to develop that jump shot more and more. I mean, it's there, but it's going to get better and better. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of a slasher, big-bodied guard that's tough to stop getting to the basket. Not many people are going to want to step in front of him and take a charge, I'll say that. No, definitely not. And it's kind of interesting. They also did a trade last night. They got Ricky Rubio back on the team, the old favorite, uh, someone they drafted over uh, – I think it. W- I think they drafted him over Steph Curry back in 2009. Kind of a mistake there, but the Johnny Flynn year too. Yeah, right? Johnny Flynn. Yep, they took uh, two point guards ahead of Curry, and neither were Curry. Oh I, I know they're kicking themselves over that one. Yeah, Rubio's a, a pretty decent player. Uh, had a nice year on the Suns, but you know he's making nearly twenty million dollars. It's it's. Are you really gonna have him come off the bench, or you know you also have D'Angelo Russell there making nearly thirty million dollars. Uh, I don't know. Are are all three of these guys going to start? Is that even possible? Could Edwards play the three, or is that kind of pushing it? Now I get why off the air you were asking me, is that a possibility? I see what you're saying now. I think that is definitely a possibility. We'll see. He's like 6'5", but he's built strong, 225, so he's not going to get pushed around by NBA threes. He's got to work on the defense a little bit, the lateral foot speed, but... He's got the athleticism to do it, that's for sure. I think it's definitely a possibility. Rubio's gotten better over the years, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, so they also have last year's pick. I think he was picked last year. Jarrett Culver, he was was last year? Yep. Yeah, I feel like I recall having this conversation last year when we were talking about Culver and Okoji and Andrew Wiggins at the time, correct? <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure out how all those pieces would fit together. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they like the idea of having multiple options at the wing slots. So while Culver is taller, and I think Okoji is also taller than Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards is physical enough to do anything that they could do at the three slot if they were thinking about playing them at the three. So I would think from day one, Culver and Okoji are probably behind Edwards. That would be my guess. Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. They're, uh, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think they'll certainly be better than last year. I, th- I don't even think they won 20 games last year. They were one of the worst teams in the league. It's a great opportunity for Anthony Edwards. Yeah. So we'll go over to the next pick, and that was James Wiseman to the Golden State Warriors. So, we have some news. 
some, uh, well, it's not really breaking news, but first time on a podcast ever, I believe, uh, Davey Coleman, and you want to, uh, you want to give us the update on, uh, Clay Thompson? So, Clay Thompson, guard on the Golden State Warriors, it looks like he has a torn Achilles, so being one of the two Splash brothers, it's not looking too good for him. A lot, of, a lot of NBA stars have been giving him condolences, looking out for him, and hopefully hopefully this guy can get a speedy recovery. Here's to hoping. Yeah. So it's just announced that the Golden State Warriors will have a $9 million uh, uh, disabled player exception that they'll be able to use. But in some ways... People might say, oh, you know, if Clay's not going to play this year, you know, maybe we should just tank again. I don't think that's the right idea, especially if you have a healthy Curry. I mean, I know he's a year older. You don't want to put too many miles on his legs, but, you know, you're also trying to develop a, a new player, James Wiseman. He, uh... He only, what, he played like three games last year? Three collegiate games at Memphis, yes. This guy hasn't played in a competitive game in well over a year. So, you know, I feel like you got to get him up to speed. You know, you're probably not going to be competing for a championship, but um, I, I think you got you, you can't do what you did last year. You can't completely tank again with G League players at the end of the roster. You got to go for it. Do at least go for the playoffs. Um, and you think uh, Wiseman will fit in pretty well with these guys? I mean, they there's really no centers on the roster for him to c- compete, uh, compete with. So with the small workload that James Wiseman had last year at Memphis, it was very, very impressive. Even though it was only three games, it was really good to see a guy seven foot one having an impact in a collegiate basketball game because, as we know, basketball is moving away from those big guys more and more. But this is a traditional big. Scouts say he can step out and shoot it. I haven't seen that yet personally at Memphis. But the athleticism is there. You know, he's 7-1. He's got, I think, a 7-8 wingspan, 7-7 or 7-8, I believe. What? So he's got really long arms, shot blocker, rebounder. This guy's going to be able to do all the dirty work on this team. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with that pick for Golden State. I think that's exactly what they needed pre-Clay Thompson injury. I think mentors like Draymond Green and Steph Curry will bring him along, just like you were talking about with Andrew Wiggins. I think that they needed some young blood in that roster, so that's going to be a big plus for them. Yeah, they uh, they have a, a few other big men on the roster still. I mean, Kevon Looney's still on the team. He didn't play that much last year. Uh, there's actually been rumors about trading him to try and save money, but I uh, if they're going to use that uh, $9 million uh, disabled player exception, then uh, they're, they're probably not going to be trying to save money then it looks like they're just gonna go for it so i you know i could see looney coming off the bench i mean 
He's not a bona fide starter, I'd say. And I also have Jordan Poole. Uh, Davey, you like Jordan Poole, right? What did you see from him last year? Anything special? Uh, I saw some spot-up shooting, catch and shoot, coming off screens, and he could knock down shots, which in the absence of Clay Thompson, would, that that's key. Um, definitely. Also have Eric Pichal on the roster. Uh, kind of like a power forward center type. I think he played a little bit of center. Yeah, stretches the floor. Kind of like a mini Draymond almost. Definitely. Yep. They got Damian Lee as well. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Marquise Chris kind of resurrected his uh, career last year on the team. Uh, they gave him a, a long leash, though, to kind of make mistakes since they weren't really competing last year, so he, he might not get the same kind of leash this year. Uh, also, uh, shout out to Michael Mulder. I think Greeny might have heard of him before. Oh, yeah, spot-up three-point shooter out of the University of Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Hope he's back on that roster knocking down a couple trays for them this year. Yeah, I think he will be. I think they'll, they'll keep him around. He's on a very team-friendly deal. Uh... So yeah, that was one of the first two. Let's go to number three. The uh the infamous. He has more followers than Zion Williamson. LaMelo Ball. Yeah, this this could be a good situation for him. Um have, have you watched I I, I Greeny's a, a big college uh, basketball fan, so I know you probably didn't see too much footage of him playing overseas. I mean I, I didn't watch that much either, but um, I don't know. He's competing against uh, Terry Rozier for the starting point guard spot, and I think if you're picking someone at number three with this kind of potential, you got to just kind of give him the keys right off the bat, I'd say. That's what you would think, and I mean, he has been playing professionally. I don't know how great that league is over there, but it is against paid professionals, so he's got the... Uh, the professional background already, which is probably a plus. And here's to hoping that he takes some mentorship from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan could be a huge help to him, I feel like, if he is accepting or if LaMelo, you know, decides to step away from his father a little bit because you don't want the wrong voices in this kid's ear. It looks like he's supremely talented from the little bit that I've seen. So hopefully he's got the right people in his ear in that place, and he listens to one of the greatest of all time. Definitely. You know, hopefully this is uh, the start of uh, you know, something something good for Charlotte. It seems like they've kind of been in limbo for a while. Uh, Davey, you got anything on LaMelo? I think Charlotte, probably one of the best spots you could put this guy. I mean, he's, re- he's extremely confident. You're putting them around, all these guys who are looking for a leader. It seems like they need a leader. And he spreads the ball. They don't look like they have a true guard on the team. They got Rogier, Devontae Graham, and then an explosive guy at the forward, Miles Bridges, which will be awesome to see how they work out. I think you just put Rozier on the bench, basically. Start Devontae Graham. 
So you got Ball, Graham, Bridges, Washington, probably start Zeller. And just go from there. I think in certain situations, just knowing some of those young players that they got, that you could also play P.J. Washington at some small ball five in certain situations, too. There was the talk of that. Oh, yeah. And uh, even Bridges could probably play a little four in a smaller lineup from time to time. Well, as Greeny said yesterday, too, the Thunder had three guards. They had Chris Paul, they had Dennis Schroeder, and they had Shai Gilgis Alexander. And this was one of the best lineups in the NBA. And they're going to have three guards that they could potentially have in a lineup, which could be very good. Thank you, Davey. That's exactly what I was getting at. If you play three dynamic guards together, Bridges and Washington could definitely play a position up, I feel like, because of their athleticism. P.J. Washington is a bull, too. He won't back down to anybody on the boards. He'll push around guys that are, you know, 6'10", 6'11", 7' foot, just because he's a very strong post player. All right, we'll move on to the Chicago Bulls, who picked at number four, Patrick Williams. Late riser, I guess. Heard a lot of murmurs about this guy. Uh, A lot of teams wanting him. Yeah, what... Do you see this guy more as a three or a four, Greeny? I would definitely say he's going to be on the wing long term. I understand there's more and more stretch fours in the NBA these days. Mm -hmm. And I heard some suggestions last night and today from some of the experts that he might end up at the four. I don't see it, though. I think he's got the foot speed to play on the wing consistently. Like, he played some two. I saw him play more two than I saw him play four. I think his main position is going to be the three. But he is a physical wing that seems to have the athleticism and the foot speed to guard other twos and threes. And he's very strong for a guard. I guess that's why some people project him to move up to a four. I don't see it, though. I think he's a good enough perimeter shooter to continue to grow and play on the wing. Yeah, I mean... This seemed like kind of a guard-heavy draft at the top, or that's the way the experts were um, projecting this draft. And there was worry that Chicago was going to draft another guard, even though, I mean, you should draft the best talent possible at the end of the day. But, you know, Chicago already has Zach Levine and Kobe White. So by picking uh, Williams, you know, there's not really any overlap with that. I don't think Dunn's, um, I mean, not Dunn, um, Kobe White started too many games last year. They'll start Kobe White, play Zach Levine at the two, then Williams at the three. They still have Laurie Marketing. They got Wendell Carter. They got a lot of good young guys. Can't forget Otto Porter is making $28 million. <laughs> so that's their three-man, right, theoretically? Otto Porter. Well, I feel like at, at this stage, you got to give the keys to the young guy because the, the Bulls, they're not really, I mean, I guess maybe they'll compete for the eighth seed, but you want your guys to develop. And it sounds like they actually have uh, some smart people in the front office now, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I I'm sure Porter's on expiring contract. This is the last year. 
maybe you'll start him at the beginning of the year just so he gets uh some some uh inflated numbers and then maybe you trade him and uh start playing all the young guys but uh yeah i don't see him as the long-term solution he's not in the same timeline i think the writing is on the wall for Otto porter when you draft this guy oh definitely um i think they're trying to trade him in the draft they're you know they're trying to do certain deals to move up i think golden state was one of the deals that was being discussed where uh I think Wiggins would have had to been in that deal, but you know there was a lot of trade noise going on, and a lot of it didn't end up happening. And then the stuff that uh, ended up happening was, uh, you know, trades we weren't we didn't even hear about the day before. But I feel like we heard so many like proposed trades like the day before, the day, the day leading up to the draft, and. None of it happened, but you know I'm used to it being a Celtics fan. <laughs> <laughs> All these, these trades and whatnot. Always got the rumors out there on draft day, right? All right, I'm gonna put Davy on the spot here. Davy, should the Bulls keep Zach Levine, or do you do you keep him with this young core they got going here? I could honestly see the Bulls going either way. I mean, with Zach Levine even pairing with. Patrick Williams, I think they could have a nice pick and roll combo, which I don't Williams hasn't really proven he is a steady, steady three point shooter, but he can definitely step out. Um especially with his defense. I don't I don't know. Levine will he keeps stepping up every year, so if they are going to keep him, this is the year he needs to prove himself. Otherwise, I think, put him on the block. <laughs> well, one guy they definitely shouldn't put on the block is Cristiano Felicio. I mean, <laughs> this guy this guy is still in the league. I bet a lot of people didn't realize that. He's making, <laughs> he made $8 million last year. <laughs> he was on the team... Davey and I, we went to um, a Bulls-Celtics playoff game back in 2017. This is back when Isaiah Thomas was leading the Celtics in the playoffs. So we're going to move on to number five here, uh, Isaac Okoro. Thank God the Cavs didn't draft a guard because <laughs> that would have made things awkward. So they took Isaac Okoro, who's a forward, Good player, freshman out of Auburn. Uh, so what does this mean? I think this means that Chetty Osman is officially a bench player. <laughs> because uh, yeah, the, the, the Cavs, they were so high on this Osman guy. I mean, my God, they refused to... Tr I, I think LeBron, well, he played with LeBron that uh, last year. But they refuse to put him on the trading block because they're like, oh, no, this is the small forward of the future. LeBron, we can't trade him. But you know what? I think it's time for Akuro to take that role. Chetty, you are a bench player in the NBA. Sorry, you just can't play defense. It is what it is. Were you shocked that he went number five? 
a, a lot of draft boards didn't have them going this high. So it's interesting. I would say back-to-back picks here, Patrick Williams and Isaac Okoro, were a little bit ahead of projections as far as going number four and number five. That's not to knock their talent in any way. I do see why they went that high, you know, watching all the college basketball that I do. Their upside is so high, and I feel like they're worthy of these picks, especially in this draft. As far as Okoro, his athleticism just jumps out of the building. I mean, he is going to be in a slam dunk contest at some point in the near future. I can almost guarantee you that. So they list him as a small forward. He could play some two, though, also. I believe he played a lot of two at Auburn. So he's a two or three guy. I think he's 6'6", so the reason they list him as a three is his athleticism. He's going to jump over a lot of folks. He's going to be a good rebounder for a three-man. He's got to develop that jump shot, similar to Patrick Williams. And I think the future is bright for him. The other thing that's interesting is, as you know, I follow the college basketball and the college basketball recruiting. So I've seen a lot of these guys since high school, like Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman. Patrick Williams and Isaac Okoro were both kind of off the radar for a lot of schools. They were not like top recruits. They were maybe top 30, top 40, but Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman were up there in the top one, two, three, four, along with LaMelo Ball, if you counted him. So these guys have really rapidly improved over the last two years, I would say, their senior year of high school and their freshman year in college. So the ceiling might be very high for both of them. So I do see why they got picked up that high. Okay. So, yeah, you would think the starting lineup would be something like Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Love, Drummond. Not terrible. Don't really have that much of a bench, though. Uh, Kevin Porter. Something happened with Kevin Porter recently. I got to look it up. I feel like that must be part of the reason why they wanted to go with Okoro also, because they're going to be competing for minutes, I believe. Can we get an update from uh, Davey Coleman on what happened to Kevin Porter? We're checking. We're looking. Well, according to Cleveland.com, Cleveland Cavaliers Kevin Porter accused of punching woman in downtown Cleveland. I I was thinking before this draft that they weren't going to draft a, another small forward because Kevin Porter seems similar in some ways to Okoro. I mean, he can, can get to the hoop. He's athletic. It'll, it'll be interesting if they end up being able to pair these two. I mean, one's a righty. Kevin Porter's a lefty. Both slashers. But these allegations just going to be hard to get away from. Yep. Same with uh, Malik Beasley. Oh, we have a live update. Gordon Hayward has opted out of his contract. Gordon Hayward might be leaving Boston. So, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have purchased that jersey. Larry Nance is also on the Cavs, by the way, if people forgot. But, you know, he's more of a bench player anyways. Dante Exum, former number five pick in the draft, is on his uh, final year of, uh, I think it was like a $40 million deal or something, I think $30 million that he signed with uh, 
Utah and extension. So let's move on to number six. Number six, we have Onyeka Okongwu. Okay. Uh, he's going to the Hawks, Okongwu. He played with Lamento Ball in high school. I did not know that. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, the Hawks, they have a lot of young guys. So they got Trey Young, obviously. Last year they picked up Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. And they acquired Clint Capella in a trade at the trade deadline last year. So, and th- this guy's a power forward. is a power forward. So what, that kind of leaves uh, John Collins out of the picture, I'd say. Uh, John Collins is a you know, pretty decent player. There's Some people love him. Some people are like, oh, this guy, you know. No, good stats, bad team, you know. But uh, also he got caught with steroids, but that's another story. Uh, He averaged 21 points last year. Not bad. Not bad. You know, maybe maybe he belongs on a different team. Could be a good trade asset. Um, This is the last year of his rookie deal, so maybe... The Hawks figure, look, we're just going to take the best guy available. We like this guy. We don't care that he overlaps with John Collins. We don't plan on paying John Collins. Who knows? Maybe they do. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what they do. I mean, th- this guy, Okongwu, he definitely can't play the three, right? No, definitely not. The uh, comparison leading up to the draft that I heard a bunch and that I liked with Okongwu was kind of like a Bam out of bio on the high end. Because like a lot that. of people thought that Bam was not going to be able to play the five in the NBA coming out of Kentucky. Wrong! So with the athleticism, I would not be surprised to see Okongwu at the five in the future. Maybe not right away with Capella. But the other thing that I found interesting in chatting with you about the Hawks as I recall last year, they like to play Collins at the small ball five. Maybe you could slide him over to the four and play Okongwu and Capella at the five. That would be what I would do if I was the GM of that team or the head coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth a shot. They got they got a young team, a lot of cap space. Ooh, ton of cap space. They're linked to every free agent out there <laughs> this season. Apparently, they're going to pay Rondo $7 million for two years uh, to come over. Apparently, they're going to get Gallinari as well. So let's go to <laughs> number seven. I mean, if you think the the Hawks are a question mark team, oh boy. The Detroit Pistons picked Killian Hayes at number seven. Now, this is another foreign guy, Greeny. I know you didn't watch too many highlights um, apparently a good passer. Tony Parker's his mentor. Hopefully he'll be better than Frank Nilakina. We'll see. Uh, but the Pistons, they, they pretty much just have an open roster. 
I mean, let's let's look at the other guys they got. Um, they got Isaiah Stewart midway through the draft and Sadiq Bay. I mean, yeah, I I think you just you just got to go young. This is this is the time to rebuild. They got to trade Blake Griffin for any kind of asset they can get at this point. I feel like. You might not get a first-rounder for him. He's way overpaid, making $36 million this year, 38 next year. I mean, if you're getting that Blake Griffin from two years ago, that's not a terrible deal. But last year he barely played. He said, oh, my God, some of the worst injury luck, terrible injury history. Um. And then, you know, he punched the trainer. Um, but, you know, it happens. Sometimes you're <laughs> mad at your trainer. And you got to clock him. What can you do? <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is um, this is a team that just needs to hit the, the reset button. Uh, anything particular, Greeny, you want to say about Sadiq Bey and uh, Isaiah Stewart? Or Killian Hayes, if you know anything about him. I don't have the Killian Hayes background, but I got you on the other two for sure. Mm -hmm. So Sadiq Bay, it's interesting to hear all the opportunities these guys are going to have going to Detroit. That's really a great opportunity, oh, yeah. the, it sounds they'll, like. They'll get plenty of playing time yeah, right so off the bat. I would think that Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart would both step in, maybe start right away, depending on what they do in free agency. Sadiq Bay is a very versatile wing. He's a good shooter for 6'8". He can defend multiple positions. I believe he shot better than 40% from three. It's, granted, it's a college line. But at Villanova, at a big-time program, playing big-time competition, and he's been part of a winning program. That's a winning culture they got at Villanova, something that the Detroit Pistons <laughs> could probably use at this point, correct? Yeah, it's been a little while since uh, they won the championship in 04. <laughs> so. So you got Derrick Rose there who also knows how to win. So he can show them the ropes. Isaiah Stewart, as we watched this last night, I kind of gave a little comp to your old boy, Sullinger. Mm. He's not quite as thick and he's a little bouncier, but the numbers that he put up in college are very similar to Sullinger. He was a double-double machine at Washington. Sullinger played on a better team at Ohio State, a better program. But Stewart is going to give you maximum effort every night. He's a little bit undersized to play the five, I would say, but he's going to be a solid four in the NBA. He could play some small ball five, similar to Sullinger, I would say, back in the day. And, uh, yeah, he's probably going to give you – if he gets 35 minutes in the NBA, he's going to give you probably 15 and 10 right off the bat, I would oh, think. Oh, wow. That's great. Yep. He's going to bang with NBA pros right away. Yeah, I, I was wondering, since these rookies are all going to get so much playing time, like could one of these guys be rookie of the year? Because sometimes that happens in drafts. Like uh, the 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 guy with the green light, like Ja Morant, he, he pretty much had the green light to, to do what he wanted and end up getting rookie of the year. It is so much about opportunity, that's for yeah. sure. I wouldn't say that with either of these two, but I think Sadiq Bey is eventually more of a complimentary piece. But Isaiah Stewart has the potential to put up big numbers as a rookie, I would say. Mm. Davey, where should Derrick Rose go really quick? 
Uh, I think Derek Rose should. His best fit right now is probably the Lakers, I think. I mean, they got a good backup point guard in Dennis Schroeder that they can have. And if they get Derek Rose, a healthy Derek Rose, I think he can infuse some offense into this team. Which they might be, as you said earlier, they might be losing Rondo. Yeah, you know, Derek Rose, he makes about $7 million this year. Um, if you can put together some salary you don't want, maybe you can get him. Um, the the only question mark is uh, whether uh, he got along with LeBron on that 20, I think it was 2017-2018 team. The, the weird team with Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Dwayne Wade. I uh I don't think there was any beef. I haven't really heard of anything. But you know, Derek Rose, the, this guy's been through hell, man. Let's let's be honest. It'd be nice for him to get a ring. All right, Davey, we're on number eight. The New York Knickerbockers. Oh boy, oh boy, what are the Knickerbockers doing? Um, this guy, Obi Toppin. What what were some of the memes you saw, Davey? Uh, I mean, he was, he's a New York guy, so he was crying out of joy to be in New York. <laughs> but, you know, as, as the history we got for the Knicks the last couple of years, doesn't look like a lot of people want to go there. So, a good thing for New York Knicks fans, he wants to be there. And he's a slashing, seems like he could play the four, possibly, possibly the five if you want to stretch. But I, I think it's a good fit. I really do. And they're going to they're gonna have to make some moves with their team now. Yeah, this guy's very athletic, without a doubt. Uh, watching the highlights yesterday, pretty bad. I didn't. I didn't really research any of these guys. And then after their rookie year, I act like I'm an expert on them. So, you know, I'm a complete fraud. What else is new? Um, but I'm looking at their roster here. I saw they just declined the team options on Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, and Wayne Ellington. Uh, the most shocking one out of those three is Taj Gibson, considering Tom Thibodeau is the coach, and I I think uh, he's in love with Taj Gibson. But anyways, Greeny, this is like uh, the new uh, Kentucky pipeline here. We got Kevin Knox. We got Julius Randle. I mean, now... We got, uh, of course, I mean, Toppin was with Dayton, but that's a great pick. But they also got your guy, Emmanuel Quickly. So, anything you want to say on these two? Yeah, just to flesh that out a little more, I think. We're talking about the hiring of World Wide West, mm -hmm. who had strong ties to John Calipari going back to even Memphis 15-plus years ago who was hired to be an assistant to Leon Rose in the front office. And then subsequently they picked up Kenny Payne, a longtime Kentucky assistant, 
and tutor of our big men at UK as an assistant for the New York Knicks. And I'm just thinking about this now. It's very interesting. In addition to getting quickly, University of Kentucky just had Ovi Toppin's younger brother, Jacob Toppin, commit to the program back in the springtime. And I'm wondering if Kenny Payne had something to do with that recruitment before <laughs> before he left for the Knicks. So maybe he had some familiarity with Ovi Toppin also. So he'll definitely be tutoring this guy if he's going to be playing down low, playing the four or the five. Kenny Payne was a big man for our rival Louisville back in the day and then played in the NBA for a little while. So he knows how to coach these big guys. But, yeah, going to Emmanuel quickly, I'm really pumped to see him get an opportunity at a franchise that really needs some help probably at all positions realistically. So he's going to get minutes right off the bat. He's going to be a classic combo guard. He had the opportunity to start as a point guard his freshman year at Kentucky and then went on to step in for Tyler Hero as the shooting guard his sophomore year after Tyler Hero left for the NBA. They were the same class, and he was asked to step into multiple roles for John Calipari, and he did a really nice job both years. He was the SEC Player of the Year last season, and that was out of nowhere. That was a big surprise. He was actually our sixth man at the start of the season. He was not even a starter until about midway through half, half I'm sorry, midway through last year. So his improvement has been rapid, and he's a 6'4 guard. He's going to play both positions in the NBA. Good defender. I believe he has like a 6'8 wingspan. So he's going to be able to compete right away from day one for the New York Knicks. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the Knicks are doing. Are they competing for the playoffs? Are they trying to rebuild? I think now that they have um, World Wide West and Payne there, they have some, you know, <laughs> some... Uh, better uh, brains in the office than they usually have. So I think they're being a little more realistic now. I mean, there were rumors that they were going to trade for Russell Westbrook. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen at this point. I mean, it it shouldn't happen. They got a lot of young guys. I think they should just develop them. And, uh, yeah. Maybe in uh, three or four years, you got a couple all-stars there. Who knows? They still have Julius Randle on the roster, making $18 million. I don't know if you have him come off the bench now, now that you have Toppin, because Toppin's definitely a power forward, right? You can't put him anywhere, maybe five. I think he's definitely a four to start. Yeah. Yeah, and Randle's not uh, really a five-man. Um, I mean, maybe he could play there for spot minutes. So you got him. Obviously, you got the great R.J. Barrett. You want to develop him more. Kevin Knox, I feel like, sadly took a backseat last year because of all these free agents they signed. Uh, kind of unnecessary, I think, to sign a lot of these guys. I think the only one that made sense in the end was Marcus Morris because they were able to flip him for a first-round pick. Other than that, why are you going to play Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson, you know, 
20-something minutes a game uh, if you're just going to get rid of them the next year. Yeah, so what are you doing, Knicks? So the Knicks also have Dennis Smith Jr., who was breakout high school athlete. I mean, dunks out of the gym. He he hasn't had the best last couple of years. He started with the Mavericks. He tore his ACL, and he was lucky enough that he had two ACLs. So... I think this guy has a lot of promise, but he, he's taking a back seat, which I don't think was a good move by the Knicks. They they need to get their young guys involved, and a lot of them. Weren't they booing him out of the gym last year? Dennis Smith, I yeah, believe they were. That's really sad. He's still a kid. Yeah, I and I can't remember the exact reason for that. It might have been... Uh, his poor play or whatever, but it's it's a tough fan base to play it for. Sure is. They uh, they've uh, been through a lot of uh, stress stress I'd say of uh, just mismanagement amongst uh, their teams over the years. I mean, the last time they made the playoffs was 2013, which seems forever ago. Paul Pierce was still on the Celtics. <laughs> so, um, let's move on to a team that I feel like is going to be sneaky good. I like what they've done. Um, they picked Denny Avicia at number nine. I hope I said his name right. I'm not sure. We'll see. I mean, I will definitely learn it. Uh, within the next few months when I hear it multiple times on an NBA broadcast. Actually, no, the Wizards aren't on TV that much, so <laughs> probably not. But anyways, this this roster is sneaky good. I really like Rui Hachimura. He was uh, one of those sneaky good rookies that, I mean, you don't hear about much because he's on Washington. I think he made... An all-rookie team. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he was um, on the second team, NBA all-rookie. So I like him. I think he has a very bright future. Uh, obviously, uh, Bradley Beal still there. I mean, I know he's involved in trade talks with, uh, what, every team. But, it. I mean, we've been hearing this for years. He still hasn't been traded. Maybe they're just going to keep him. He's still kind of young, 26. Maybe hold on to him, see how you do this year. And John Wall, I think, is a very, very big X factor here. Is he going to come back or not? I don't know. If uh, he comes back, plays decently, uh, you got at least gr- four great starters. Um, I know this is a guy, Greeny, who uh, played overseas, so probably don't have the inside scoop on him uh certainly don't yeah i'm i don't either but good thing davy does yeah it looks like a lot of nba scouts have been comparing a lot of his game with probably one of the most known european players luka Doncic. he has a good slashing ability and he can dish it out which would be nice considering they have 
Bradley Beal, a spot-up shooter. Uh, it, it just looks, it looks like a good pick by Washington, considering this guy can get to the hoop, he can shoot, which it looks like he can shoot from the three, too. And his confidence is, it's really high. Yeah, I think he'll be a good addition. I think he'll start right off the bat. I think you have to start him. Um, and then their bench is pretty much filled out with uh, Lakers rejects and Thomas Bryan, uh, Moritz, Moritz Wagner, Isaac uh, Bonga. I think they're all like forward types, forward type centers. The Lakers rejects and... Uh, bunch of G League guys it seems like and Ish Smith see I believe the year before John Wall got hurt he was a 20 point 10 assist guy one of the top assist guys in the league so maybe he could have put them over the top and got them into the playoffs at least last year hopefully they got a little more talent coming in next year with this Denny Avdija yeah I uh I think they'll They'll be, they're not going to be horrible. That's all I'll say. Which uh, seems to be the theme of uh, a lot of Wizards teams from the past. All right, so now we're going to move on to number 10, Jalen Smith to the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have a very competitive roster now with CP3, David Booker, Mikhail Bridges. They, of course, have DeAndre Ayton. Maybe they'll bring back um, Dario Saric. Cameron Johnson's a great player. Cameron Payne was playing out of his mind. So, Jalen Smith. uh, Greeny, is this a guy that you think will get a lot of bench minutes or is he going to be kind of buried he's he's definitely a power forward right not a a small forward no doubt about it he could definitely play some minutes at the five also because of his length and his ability to block shots so there were a lot of folks that thought he was going to be a one and done guy at maryland and he did have a decent freshman season he's a little bit underwhelming for mcdonald's all-american but he ended up having a terrific sophomore year at Maryland this past season and really boosted his draft stock, obviously, to a top-10 pick. And this is a six foot ten, six eleven guy that can step out and shoot the three. I believe he shot almost 40% at Maryland last year, and that's really tough to do as a near seven-footer. So he's going to be able to stretch the floor for you. And he might not start right off the bat, But eventually, he's definitely a starter in the NBA, and he's not going to be buried on the bench. I think he'll get minutes pretty much immediately. You think he could start, possibly, with this core group? Yeah, it's a possibility. I think he could complement Aiton pretty well if he played the four. Aiton's more of a low-post player, and Jalen Smith could step out and stretch it a little bit. Yeah, and then you got uh, Mikhail Bridges at the five, Booker at the two, CP3 at the one. Not bad. Yeah, I think... I think this is a playoff team this year, without a doubt. 
It's uh, It's been a while. I mean, I started really paying attention to the NBA in 2012, and the Suns have not made it to the playoffs since then, so I've been used to them always being a pretty bad team, aside from that uh, Goran Dragic year, the 2013-2014 season. Bledsoe? Yep, Bledsoe was on that team. Gerald Green. That team was supposed to be a tanking uh, uh, squad, and uh, no, they they overachieved. But yeah, that was that was pretty much the best Suns team I saw. I mean, maybe the Bubble Suns, but I mean that that's unfair. I th- I think the Bubble Suns might be one of the greatest teams of all time. They're undefeated, <laughs> undefeated, best winning percentage ever. So you know, maybe they can uh, they can improve on that. All right, let's move on to number. 11, the San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio's in a weird spot. It's like, what What exactly are they doing? Uh, I think at this point, you gotta just go young. Last year, they had uh, young guys and DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, and uh, who's the other? Derek White is the other guy. But then they have like DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge. So... Like maybe, maybe you look to trade Aldridge and DeRozan this season. Start playing more of the younger guys. Now this guy Devin Vassell, who they picked, looks like he's a swing man. But would you be comfortable starting him off the bat over, say, Derek White or Lonnie Walker? Yeah, this was a bit of an interesting pick to me. I know we didn't talk too much about it as it happened last night, but with all the young depth they have on the wing, you would think maybe they would have looked low post a little bit more because didn't they play Trey Lyles at the five a bunch last year? Yeah. That's not so much of a fit in my mind once Aldridge was hurt. So you would think maybe they would look at a young big man. But yeah, you got Derek White out there. You got Lonnie Walker on the wing. You got Keldon Johnson who had a great bubble session on the wing. That's right. This is another young wing. So maybe they package a couple of them to get a big man in the future. I would say Vassal is not a starter right off the bat. And I would think that he's behind Derek White, Lonnie Walker, and maybe even Keldon Johnson, too, based on how Keldon Johnson played. So he might be one that's buried on the bench right off the bat. Mm. He's a great defender. He's not a great scorer as of yet. But he does have a nice three-point stroke, and I think he's going to improve. He's got to bulk up, though, to play in the NBA. Keldon Johnson's kind of physical for a guard or a three-man. He's got a physically strong body. Lonnie Walker, the same thing. Vassal's a little bit skinny yet, so he's got to put some weight on, I think, to bang on the wing in the NBA. Yeah, it seems like it was just yesterday where the Spurs seemed like they really needed to get young. They had all these old guys in uh, Aldridge and uh, Rudy Gay. And now out of nowhere, it's like, oh, they have like five pretty decent young guys. So they're kind of building for the future here, I'd imagine. That's not to even mention DeRozan. DeRozan's not old by any stretch. I yeah. mean, he's a veteran, but he's another guy in that mold. Maybe he's Vassal is somebody that continues to grow into that kind of mold in the future. Yeah, very true. DeRozan's on... Um, Last year of his deal, $27 million. He just opted into it. Probably smart. 
Uh, probably not going to be making that kind of money per year on his next contract. So, you know, I, it sounded like he wanted out of the Spurs um, during some points of last year. But, um, yeah, no. If it's that kind of money, I think you stay. And maybe uh, if you're not winning, you politely ask to get moved. Um, all right, so we'll move on to... The, uh, what are we on now? Uh, number 12. Wow. Going quick here. Tyrese Halliburton and the Sacramento Kings. Now, I think the Sacramento Kings, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they have all these, uh, these young guys. They, they had, like, three first-round picks uh, a couple years ago, like, these guys need to start building for the future, but then you look at their roster and their young guys are Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, and that's actually really it because it sounds like Buddy Heald wants out. They gave him a contract extension, um, so he's probably on the move. Who knows? And then Harry Giles, he's a free agent. They didn't even pick up his option. His, uh, I think it's fourth year option on his rookie deal. So, I don't know. And they also have Harrison Barnes on the roster. They have uh, uh, Nemanja Belicha, the the big man who shoots threes. Jabari Parker's on this roster. Uh, so, yeah, you think. You think right away, oh, these guys, they have all these, like, really young guys. It's like the youth movement over in Sacramento. It's not really the case. They have two of them. But I think they need to, you know, get guys on that De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley timeline. So what can you tell us about uh, Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, can he play alongside Fox? They're both point guards, so kind of a strange selection. Yeah, it's an interesting pick. I understand the value of getting Tyrese Halliburton at that number 12 pick in the draft. He was rated as a top-five prospect by many. I could see him playing on the wing. I don't think he's going to take De'Aaron Fox's job by any means, but maybe they share the ball handling responsibilities. Fox has enough ability to score off the ball too, I believe. So maybe that's a dynamic in their offense where they have different guys leading it at different times. But, yeah, like you said, hopefully you get something out of Marvin Bagley. He's been injured a lot, if I recall, over the last couple of years. Yeah. So hopefully – they can get a young core together and Tyrese Halliburton can be a big part of that. I didn't get to see him play a ton because he was on kind of a bad team at Iowa State and then he got hurt halfway through his sophomore year last year. But when you're 6'8 with long arms and you can play the point, you can shoot the three, that leaves you with a lot of options. It sounds like he doesn't have to necessarily play the point and he may not defend point guards in the NBA. So that gives you a lot of versatility on the wing especially if Buddy Heald is on the move, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, he's not even answering Luke Walton's text. I mean, poor Luke. Hopefully, uh, oh, well, good thing he has his dad to give him some uh, good advice, some uh, oh, yeah. words of encouragement. But, uh, yeah, you know, the Kings, 
what else is new? <laughs> They're kind of a disaster. But Deer and Fox looks good. I like him. So we'll move on to the next pick, the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I really like Kyra Lewis Jr.'s upside out of Alabama. I got to see him play a bunch the last couple of years in the SEC. He came into Alabama as a 17-year-old freshman. He reclassified. He was a highly sought-after recruit. All the big programs wanted him. And he ended up at Alabama, and they gave him the keys to the car in an SEC program at 17 years old. This guy is as fast as it gets with the basketball in the open court. He's going to be able to defend right off the bat in the NBA because of that speed. And between his freshman and sophomore years, he really improved his jump shot, too. That was a weakness coming in when he was still just a kid, 17, 18 years old. Now he's a 19-year-old rookie in the NBA. I'm not going to say that he's going to step out and shoot 40% from the three in the NBA, but he's a capable shooter now. So it's not just the speed, but I really like this pick, and I like the way that he rose throughout this draft process because he was not necessarily looked at as even a lock first-round pick back in, say, February or March, right before the shutdown. But obviously in the workouts, the limited workouts that they had, and any interviews in the interview process, NBA teams really like this guy because he skyrocketed up draft boards. And I think he's worthy of being a lottery pick. Might not play big minutes right off the bat, but I think he's going to end up being the starter there when they move on from Lonzo Ball. I like this guy's upside better than Lonzo. I completely forgot they have Frank Jack. Well, Frank Jackson's a free agent, but they might bring him back. I mean... He was decent. I just I feel like they have so many different guys that could be getting minutes on this roster. I'm just thinking about this now. The speed in the open court is kind of relative to like Kobe White last year. Oh, I would expect really? him to have a rookie or maybe like Kobe White had for Chicago last year. Maybe not breaking through, you know, a veteran like he had to break through Chris Dunn. Correct. Mm-hmm. But he's going to get major minutes, and he'll be a rotation guy right away. Yeah, they. Uh, it sounds like they should definitely carve out some room for this guy. Um, I, I I think they, the Pelicans have some more trades to make, especially with uh, Eric Bledsoe. You gotta get people who are on Zion's timeline. You d- you don't want to make the mistakes you made with Anthony Davis. You know, trying to get all these guys who are older than him so you can make the playoffs right away. Um, and overpay guys that, that just don't deserve it. It seems to me like they got a big decision to make about Lonzo and maybe picking up Bledsoe and George Hill speaks more to that, that maybe they're just trying to bridge to the next guy after Lonzo at the point guard position if he doesn't continue to improve. And this guy could be the answer a couple of years down the line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Lonzo's a little skeptical about this pick. I mean, I maybe Lonzo can play off ball, but still, you know, it's more competition. And you got J.J. Redick on this team still, and I think he likes to start. I mean, and Drew, Drew, I mean, um, Eric Bledsoe coming off the bench, I don't think he'll like that. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I think Bledsoe or Hill might be there very short term. Maybe they're moving again, right? 
Yeah, David Griffin, I think you have some trades to make. Um, so we'll move on to the Celtics, my team. We were rumored to do all these trades, and we didn't. What else is new? Um, so we picked up uh, Aaron Neesmith, and we got uh, Peyton Pritchard as well. Uh, Greeny. Please cheer me up. Are these guys good? <laughs> so we've seen mixed coverage on this, I would say, the last 24 hours or so. Yeah. My argument would be, looking at your guys' draft, is that you guys have very few roles to fill at this moment in time. You don't have a lot of roster space. You don't know what's going to be going on with the G League next year. So you need guys that are going to step in and, and fill a specific role. Neesmith is a shooter. That's his calling card. He's going to step in and make shots for you when he gets minutes. He's not going to play big-time minutes, I wouldn't think, as a rookie. Peyton Pritchard is a four-year veteran of the Pac-12, which is very good basketball out there. He was very good his first three years, and then he became a star his fourth year. So Peyton Pritchard is a guy that's going to step in as a backup point guard ready to play. I know you've had Trey Waters in the program, and he's made some progress, and you like his future. I would argue that Peyton Pritchard is probably more NBA ready to play right now. I think Trey Waters has the higher upside, the higher ceiling, but Peyton Pritchard is going to be able to step in and defend NBA point guards right off the bat, oh, wow. step in and make a three. Uh, he's not going to score big points, but he's going to learn the offense, and he's going to facilitate you know, your stars like Tatum and Brown. So he's probably a good fit for the roster that you got going now. You're not going to get the top-end talent, or you, you really don't even need the young top-end talent right now, realistically, with the all-star futures of Tatum and Brown. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are role players. I'm not going to say they're going to be NBA all-stars, but they probably fill roles that you need right now. Yeah, it sounds like it definitely needs shooting. We need a backup point guard. Probably going to lose Brad Wanamaker. Uh He's a restricted free agent, I'm pretty sure. We do have a couple updates here. I'm going to switch over to Davey here, and he'll uh, he'll give us a scoop on what the Celtics, on what's going on with the Celtics. So it looks like Gordon Hayward has officially opted out of his $34 million deal for the 2020-21 season. And also, fan favorite Ennis Cantor opts into... Five million contract, so we'll see him again next season. Well, unless we trade him, we'll see. I like Cantor though. When he's playing well, it's 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 usually uh, it's, it's it's amazing to see. I just we're not used to seeing guys who rebound, top notch rebound, like offensive rebounding not used to seeing that at all and when he does that it's like one of the greatest things um yeah i don't know um you know all kinds of rumors that uh gordon hayward might get traded to indiana that we might trade kemba somewhere to try and get true holiday i mean there was even talk of us being in the Harden sweepstakes I didn't really entertain that too much um 
knowing that Harden's probably, you know, has a similar superstar mentality that Kyrie Irving has, um, that, you know, could be a diva, who knows, definitely not as, uh, outspoken in the media as Kyrie Irving, but, uh, you know, might be, might be kind of hard to deal with in the locker room, so, I mean, I gotta say, just the future's really just Jason and Jalen right now. It's the two J's, and uh, as long as we have them and Marcus Smart, I think we're competitive. Um, so you know, hopefully, one of these uh, draft picks will uh, will pan out. Uh, whether it's from this year, or last year, with Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, uh, or even Robert Williams from the draft before, Carson Edwards can really score. Carson Edwards uh, peaked uh, in this last year's preseason. <laughs> I think he scored, I think he had like seven threes or something, something ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, he he got some spot NBA minutes and didn't really do much. But, you know, sometimes it takes a couple years for point guards. So I'll give him one more year. We'll see what he can do. And then, of course, Trey Waters, I think, deserves a roster spot. I, I liked what I saw when he got minutes. Um, so, you know, backup point guard could be him and Pritchard. I, I don't think they'll bring back Brad Wanamaker. It, uh, it doesn't, doesn't – I mean, he's, he's older than I am, and I'm pretty old. <laughs> I think so. the writing is on the wall picking Pritchard in the first round. That's right. going to be a cheaper alternative to mm-hmm. that role, I think. Yeah, and, and Wanamaker, he was making pretty low money this year. I think he was making under a million dollars or maybe just a little over. So I think a team, after seeing the way, because Wanamaker did have some decent games in the playoffs. He showed some flashes. Um, so, you know, maybe a team will throw like three or four million at him to, you know, price him out of uh, our. Uh, oh, there. We're looking at. Uh, Aaron Neesmith right now on the TV. We're watching all this draft coverage. The other thing about him that I failed to mention, there's a very good chance that he would have gone higher in this draft had he been able to finish his season last year. He is coming off an injury that cost him a little more than half of his season. But before that, he was looking like an all-SEC type of player at Vanderbilt, which is not known as a national power. So he's really had some... Great games without a lot of help at Vanderbilt. Okay. Supposedly two. Neesmith, is that correct? Uh, he's one of the best shooters in the draft, spot up. And Tatum and Kemba do a lot of dribbling, so that could be a good fit for him. No doubt. Yeah, we need shooters off the bench. We've... Seem to really be lacking, um, lacking the shooting. I mean, sometimes Wanamaker would hit threes, but that was really it. I, I think they thought maybe Carson Edwards could could do that in the regular season. That didn't really happen though. So Peyton Pritchard is above average from outside, also. Oh, thank God! As long as he's not an R.J. Hunter. <laughs> no, 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 or James Young. Yeah. Well, James Young was supposed to be good. I think he was just a true fluke. Man, that dunk was nice that he had. Ugh. 
was. Why, why, why? Okay. Uh, we're going to move on to the Orlando Magic, who picked at 15. They have... Uh, could this be Markel Fultz's new backup? Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony? I don't know. Greeny, you like this guy, Cole? I do. He had an injury issue last year as well, similar to Neesmith. He missed a lot of the season. He was able to come back at the end of the year, though, too. Something I always wonder about with Markel Fultz is what position is he really? I'm wondering if maybe they could play the two of them together in the backcourt. Cole Anthony is more of a pure point guard. He is a scoring point guard, but I've never viewed Markel Fultz as a true point guard. I know he's a little undersized to play the two, but depending on who you got at the three and the four, you could probably get away with it if Aaron Gordon is still in the mix there with his athleticism. Jonathan Isaac, correct, if he comes back from injury. Yep. That's a bigger front court. Maybe you could get away with playing the two of them in the backcourt together. And that would be fascinating to see, I would say. Yeah, the magic. They've had so many uh, uh, the lottery picks. I Well, this isn't a lottery pick, but, you know, like high draft picks, mid to high draft picks. And, God, they – They've had they've drafted all right, but they end up getting rid of them, you know, like the Victor Oladipo. Uh, who else did they had? They had someone else. Uh, I mean, Alfred Payton. They he's all right. They didn't really need to keep him though. Um, but uh, they still have Mo Bamba. I mean, Jonathan Isaac. I think will be a pretty darn good player. Um, who's that? Looks like the pickup of Cole Anthony. They don't have a lot of very good ball handling type guards. Looks like he's going to be able to spread the floor to the Magic, which seems looks like they're most of with Vucevic and Bamba. Got Aaron Gordon. Even Carter Williams, they're just they seem like a mid range to post kind of team. So he gives them a different kind of versatility as well. Yeah, they uh I mean there's been rumors about Aaron Gordon getting moved. So we'll move on to I mean sixteen. We talked about um Isaiah Stewart already on the Pistons. At 17, um, a player from uh, Serbia was picked. I mean, oh boy, here we go. Uh, Alexej Pokuzevsky. Um, he's a Serbian and Greek. Uh, I guess he's on... I think, yeah, no, he's on the Thunder. I think at one point, or is he on the Timberwolves? I have no idea, this trade. What? He's the youngest guy in the draft, and he definitely needs to put on some muscle. But yeah, I, I don't have too much info on him. So we'll move on to number 18. 
the Dallas Mavericks picked Josh Green, and, and what do you know? This pick wasn't traded at all. It just went to the Dallas Mavericks. So, Greeny, this was one of the better defenders in the draft? Yeah, he is a very good defender. Uh, Josh Green is also one of the best athletes in the draft. This guy is a high flyer. He's above the rim. He's probably almost on par with Isaac Okoro, I would say, as far as the athleticism goes. He's got to work on his jump shot, his perimeter game a little bit. I'm sure there's probably questions as to whether he's going to be a two or a three, who he can defend in the NBA. I believe he's 6'6". He's not slight of build, but he's not super, super big in the upper body, so he's probably more of a two to start with. But he's going to get minutes at the two and the three, I would say, in the NBA over time. And, yeah, he had a real good freshman year at Arizona. He was part of a great freshman class with Nico Mannion and Zeke Naji, who were picked later in the draft. He's played some big-time ball out in the Pac-12. That's a good conference. So he got some really good experience this past year. And I think he's going to be a solid pro. This is the Dallas Mavericks? Yes. I would say he's a little bit relative to a Justin Jackson. He's a better athlete. Mm. But I would say Justin Jackson on that roster is probably ahead of him yet. Yeah. Um, could probably get some spot minutes off the bench, I'd imagine, this green guy. No doubt. So the Mavericks, they have a pretty good young core now, especially with this guy. They did I, – I keep hearing they did pretty well in this past draft. Um Got some value in the second round. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, the the Mavericks they're uh, they got a pretty young core now with Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Um, they just traded Curry for Josh Richardson. Uh, that was kind of surprising. I I thought uh, Curry might have been the player he'd rather have, but eh, whatever. Uh, DeLon Wright as well is on the team. Maxi Kleber. Tim Hardaway Jr. is in the last year of his deal. Uh, it's debatable whether they'll keep him or not. They could uh, let him become a free agent and uh, use a lot of their cap space next season, maybe to sign Giannis. That's one of the rumors. They, uh, yeah, they have a... Uh, Jalen Brunson, that's another guy on the team. Dorian Finney-Smith, they got they got some decent young talent. Justin Jackson, like you said. They played well in the bubble, too, Yeah, with what they had left. I know they had some injuries. Brunson wasn't there. I think they were planning on having Cauley Stein at that time, too. So what they had left represented pretty well for that organization. That's right. Yeah, they had uh, they picked up Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I'm not sure if he'll be back. Uh, Trey Burke was playing out of his mind for a couple games. That there. was fun to watch. Yeah, good old Trey. Glad he's uh, glad he's been able to kind of find a spot in the NBA. He still hops around, but still proves he deserves to be in the league. Uh, JJ Barea, of course. Uh, you know he's going to be on the Mavericks uh, for another ten years. I'm sure <laughs> at this rate. It's a, uh, it's weird. Uh, it's he's like the Udonis Haslam of the Mavericks at this point. I'd say he still comes in and tries to be instant offense too. That's also fun to watch. Yeah, he's like, 
He's pushing thir- uh, 40, and uh, he's like the shortest guy on the court, but he's also one of the toughest. He's a tough guy. I remember him trying to fight Ray Allen one game. <laughs> that was that was funny. Okay, nineteen was Sadiq Bay. We talked about him on the Pistons. Um, so we'll move to the Miami Heat. They uh, got another uh, another forward to add to the roster, and Precious Sachua. Uh, he played at Memphis. Um, good pickup for them, Greeny. This is one of my favorite picks of the first round. I think he slipped a little bit lower than maybe he was worthy of. I think this could have been a lottery pick. I saw him play a bunch at Memphis last season since James Wiseman was out. Achua was slotted to be their foreman. And when James Wiseman decided to not return to Memphis after his suspension, Achua slid over to the five spot. And not only did he step in for James Wiseman in the starting lineup, he became the conference freshman of the year, and not only the conference freshman of the year in the American the conference player of the year. So to think that Memphis had two guys of that talent level at basically the same position, it's pretty remarkable. So this guy, again, was expected to be second fiddle to James Wiseman, and he just stepped in and put up numbers every night. By no means is he a finished product. I think he's got to work on his free throw shooting a little bit. People say he can step out and shoot it. Like I said, I've seen him play a bunch. I think that needs improvement. But the comp that I've heard is a Montrez Harrell type. He's got mm. that constant motor. He's going to be on the boards on every play, offensive and defensive boards. He's not going to back down from anybody physically. He's going to put up a fight on both ends of the court. You don't have to run offense for him, and he's going to get scrappy points on the offensive glass. So I think this guy's future is bright. He's probably the perfect backup to Bam Adebayo, and you can do a lot of the similar stuff with Precious Achua as you can with Bam in the starting lineup. Yeah, it looks like this guy, as you said, strong motor, probably attributed to him growing up playing soccer in Nigeria, which found very interesting. Also that he didn't start playing basketball until he was in eighth grade, which... That's that's crazy for an NBA athlete. Yeah, that's actually similar to Giannis. I think Giannis was really into soccer, and then around eighth grade is where he started playing basketball. It's kind of crazy that you know he's you know a future MVP, and he's only been playing basketball for what like just over ten years. It's insane. It's just uh, the talent that God gifted him. So it's funny you say that. He has a brother who played at St. John's, and his first name is God's Gift, and his last name is Achua. Can you believe that? Really? Yeah. God's Gift. Yeah. I wonder if they're religious. Not sure. <laughs> New York City boys too. You gotta like the New York City basketball players. They're always tough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's gotta be. Do you know what borough he grew up in? I'm sure we can find out. Uh, oh, Bronx. Sure. I think it was the Bronx. That's where he went to high school, at least. Boogie down Bronx. All right, so we'll move on to the next pick. Uh, I think you might like this guy, Greeny. Um, 
Number 21, Philadelphia 76ers selected uh, the guy who will make Shake Milton stick to the bench. This is Tyrese Maxey. One of my favorites from this past season, obviously, being part of our three-guard lineup at Kentucky that we have perennially anymore. It was uh, Emmanuel Quickly. And Ashton Hagens, who unfortunately went undrafted, and then Tyrese Maxey, who was the top-end recruit, tabbed to step in for Tyler Hero, which he did an admirable job of. He could play on the ball, off the ball. He's going to get some minutes at the point, I think, in the NBA. He can distribute. He's got to work on his shot selection a little bit. He's got to work on the three-point stroke. The stroke is not broken. He's got a nice-looking jump shot. Just didn't fall as much as we would have liked this season. I think that'll improve. I think his role initially is going to be to knock down three-point shots. He's going to space the floor on this team. Hopefully he can learn something from the newly acquired Seth Curry. And around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you need shooters. So that's what they're going to ask him to do. The thing that's going to help him stay on the floor early in his career is he's going to have the ability to defend ones and twos. So that's really going to help him. He's 6'3", big, broad shoulders. He's a strong kid. He can attack the rim. So we'll see. I think it's a great pick by Philly. Uh, excited for him. I think it's a great opportunity around those two stars. So you got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Actually, now that they have Seth Curry, they'll have um, kind of a guy making in between what rookies and the stars make. So I do think he'll get he'll get some minutes. They just waved Norvell Pell. Um, but uh, yeah, Shake Milton was starting games for them at uh, the end of last season. I do not think that will be happening <laughs> this year. I think, uh, you know, change of uh, uh, GMs, Doc Rivers is a coach now. Doc is known for not playing rookies sometimes, but uh, I have a feeling he's going to want want this guy on the court. Let me see who else they have on the squad here. I believe... Now that's... Not really anyone else. I mean, they might bring Glenn Robinson back. Uh, Matisse Thibel. I'm sure he'll get minutes here and there. But other than that, yeah, you're looking at Danny Green. They just acquired for Al Horford. Um, I, I th- This guy's in the rotation, I'd say. I'd say he's they, in the rotation at the beginning of the season. They picked up Terrence Ferguson too, correct? Oh, that's right. That's I right. I would say did. that this guy, Tyrese Maxey, is much more offensively gifted than Terrence Ferguson from what I've seen. And maybe Danny Green at this point. Who knows? But mm-hmm. this is going to be buckets off the bench for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I think Philly's going to be better this year. It's not going to be like last year. I mean, I know they had very high hopes last year, but uh, I think they'll definitely be in the top four this year. I'm kind of nervous. All these teams in the East are making moves while the Celtics aren't doing much. I mean, we do have a couple updates here. Um, 
the Celtics have picked up Semi Ojale's uh, team option, so he'll be on the team next year. I had a feeling they were going to keep him. Um, we'll see how he does. We'll see if he pans out, if he will be an NBA player in, what, like three years or so? It's kind of his last shot. Uh, a couple other things going on here. Um, let's see. The The Wizards also guaranteed Isaac Bonga's uh, salary for next season. I referenced him earlier in the podcast. But for now, let's move on to the next pick. Where are we at? Let's see. We're at number 22. Uh, we have Zeke Naji. Going to Denver. Denver also <laughs> picked up uh, R.J. Hunter, who uh, R.J. Hampton. I'm sorry, who uh, <laughs> who had probably one of the funniest draft videos I've uh, I've ever seen, uh, or you know the the reaction, the family's reaction to getting drafted. Uh, I think it was a Bucks hat that got thrown across the room. Um, yeah, the, it was just complete chaos. But that that was see. At, at first, I was like, you know, are they gonna do this with every pick? Are they gonna show them like with their family and whatnot? Sh- shouldn't they not do this with the later picks? This made it one hundred percent worth it, though. <laughs> just seeing this family's reaction. I mean, I don't know what they were so mad about. Like, why would you be mad about getting traded to the Nuggets? I mean, I think that's the news they got. Um, but anyways, Greeny, how about um, getting some info on Zeke? He was a freshman at Arizona. Um, I, I There's a lot of people on the Nuggets. They have a, They have a lot of young guys. Not sure if they're going to bring everyone back. Um, could you see him maybe replacing, uh, uh, Mason Plumley for minutes? I don't think Plumley's going to be back on the team next year. Would he no be doubt. able to step in as backup center? No doubt. I think he's ready. I got to see him play a ton at Arizona this past season. As we were talking about Josh Green, got to see him play with Nico Mannion and, uh, and yeah, Zeke Naji. They were a fun team to watch. He's super athletic. He's super bouncy. I've seen him step out and knock down some jump shots. But another thing that strikes me about this pick is these one-and-done guys. You had Patrick Williams early at number four, and you had Isaac Okoro number five. This is another guy that was not looked at as like a top recruit as a senior in high school, right out of high school. He wasn't a McDonald's All-American. And he really must have developed his senior year of high school in his first year, his only year at Arizona. So that speaks to his work ethic, I would say. And I would think somebody like that is going to continue to work. I know he had a family member who played for Billy Donovan at Florida years ago. I don't think it was his father. I think it might have been his uncle. So he comes from a very athletic family. And, yes, he's definitely going to be able to step in and take up some minutes early in his career. Yeah, I'm looking at their roster right now. They really don't have another center besides Nikola Jokic. 
it, it's really just oh bull bull yeah i guess i mean he's he could even play forward um no update. Yeah, Zeke Naji is going to be much more of a back to the basket kind of guy, traditional big, as opposed to Bull Bull, who's going to step out and be on the wing a little bit more. But yeah, Naji is a fearless rebounder. I think it's right that he was drafted behind Precious Achua, but he's kind of got a similar skill set to Precious Achua. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they'll sign like a, a probably like one more center in free agency on uh i mean there's so many centers available now it seems like uh, it's, uh they're not as uh valued as they once were i mean we had centers making crazy money in the the 2016 <laughs> free agent class jan mahimni jan mahimi mozgov. mozgov money baby that's what they were calling it biombo that's a yeah those guys, th I mean, if Biombo stays in the league, I mean, he's getting probably the veterans minimum, maybe a couple, maybe, maybe a f couple more dollars. He's not getting that eighteen million dollar contract. So, yeah, you know, maybe the Nuggets grab, uh, grab another uh, center, whatever, another f power forward, because they're probably gonna lose Paul Millsap. I'd imagine. He can make money somewhere else. Maybe they'll keep him. I mean, he had his moments in Denver. But uh, if he wants to make the most money he can, he he could certainly leave. If he wants to stay, I think he's going to have to take a very steep discount because he made $30 million this year. He's not getting that anymore. Uh, still a decent player. Important to have in the playoffs, but... Uh, That's uh, that's like double Mozgov money right there. It's <laughs> an interesting reference point. Yeah, um, no, that that was the meme. That actually Mozgov was what messed up that whole the, was the free first, agent right? because he was the first to get that kind of money. So that meant okay, if Timothy Mozgov's getting paid this much, I gotta get paid more. So. Technically, uh, the Lakers uh, messed up more than half of the league by doing that because <laughs> so many people ended up overpaying role players, basically. Evan Turner got crazy money, Alan Crabb. But most of those contracts are off the books now, except for Nicholas Batum because he got a five-year deal. But most of those were four-year deals. So we'll move on to... The next team, uh, I mean, R.J. Hampton, um, we didn't really say much about him. Uh, played New Zealand. Uh, his dad likes to throw hats. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, number 27, uh, Utah Jazz picked up another center. They actually, remember Tony Bradley? Oh, yeah, North Carolina. They One just, and done. Yeah. They just traded him. He's gone. He got some uh, minutes in the bubble, and he yeah. looked okay. Yeah. No, I think the Jazz actually picked the... What's that guy's name? Yudoka Azubuki. From Nigeria. Four-year guy at Kansas. 
Is this guy going to be ready to step in right away, you'd say, or nah? So he's kind of an interesting case. He was a top-notch recruit at Kansas four years ago. Thought very highly of. Most people thought he was going to be a one-and-done or a two-year guy, but he struggled with a lot of injuries at Kansas over his four years. This is a behemoth. This is one of the biggest guys you're going to see. Not just height-wise, girth-wise. This guy's got to weigh close to 300 pounds, I would say. I don't know what they list him at, but I guarantee you he's heavier than what he's listed at. 270 is what they list him at. I would say closer to 300. He looks more like a shack out there. So he's so, built like Zion, kind of? But maybe? much taller, yes. Yeah. Whew. He, he looks like the old NBA. He looks like an old NBA five-man. And he's going to have to work on his conditioning and being able to get up and down the court. That has always been his issue at Kansas. I would argue that his numbers per 40 minutes, you know, the NBA, they do it per 48 minutes because it's a 48-minute game. But his numbers per 40 minutes at the collegiate level, points and rebounds and blocks were probably as good as anybody. I believe he led the country in field goal percentage at least once, maybe multiple times. He shoots over 70% because he only shoots layups and dunks and lobs. So this guy is going to be scoring for you at the rim, blocking shots on the defensive end, and rebounding. But he's a liability in pick and roll, and I know there's a lot of that in this current NBA. So would you, a fair comparison, would you say DeAndre Jordan with him? Yeah, I mean, he's not quite the shot blocker, and I think DeAndre Jordan is a bit more athletic. Uh, but... Yeah, he's going he's gonna to clog up the lane and rebound the ball. And, uh, yeah, he's not quite at the Lob City level they used to have, athleticism, but he's going to shoot that high field goal percentage. That's definitely the comparison, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they still have Gobert on the roster. They're, uh, I think, Ed Davis they still have, but he really did not play well for them this past season amazing he's still around huh right yeah it seems like it's been a hot minute uh let's see they got any others i mean they just traded tony bradley so yeah they don't really have a backup center this could be it i think they might give him a shot um so yeah we'll see what the jazz do they i mean they still have a pretty good roster they it seems like there's been a lot of turnover with certain teams, players moving around. I thought this might have been the case with uh, the Jazz, with Conley and whatnot. Uh, Clarkson's a free agent, but I have a feeling they might bring the band back again this year. Um, which is surprising, considering that uh, this whole pandemic kind of seemed to begin when the NBA canceled the rest of the season and obviously that game involved uh, Rudy Gobert and kind of the way he handled uh, well he was tested positive he was I think he was the first player to test positive and then of course the footage came out of him putting his germs all over microphones that was not a good look and uh, apparently Donovan Mitchell was very upset as well uh because Mitchell got uh, Corona as well, so uh, the it seemed like they might have been on really bad terms, but 
it looks like it's been squashed. So I think they're going to move forward together. This is Gobert's last year on his contract. He'll be a free agent in 2021. Maybe he'll get traded this year. Maybe they'll keep him. I think it all depends on how they do the beginning of the season. But I do think this new guy, um, Yudoka, I think uh, I think this might be their backup center with Tony Bradley gone. Tony Bradley got a lot of minutes for them last year. When Ed Davis was stinking it up, they said, you know what, just, just, uh, just, just be a cheerleader, you know. We got this guy, Tony Bradley, but now he's gone. Yudoka it is. So we'll move on to number 28. Uh, this is another guy that went to Minnesota. So Minnesota had a, had a few uh, picks in the first uh, round here. Uh, Jaden McDaniels. Now, he's is he the brother of Jalen McDaniels? Yes, he is. Okay, Jalen's on the Hornets. Uh, not a bad player. Pretty good. Um, so, Jaden, he's a power forward. Uh, oh, so, um, yeah, it looks like uh, we got a bunch of forwards on the Timberwolves now with Culver. I guess maybe a Koji's more of a guard, swingman type. But then you got McDaniels off the bench as well. I'd imagine he's coming off the bench. Um, I don't know who else they would start at the four. Maybe. Maybe if this guy plays really well out of the gate, they'll give him a shot. Um, but, um, yeah, it did. I, I actually recall hearing this guy's name. And I saw him picked a little higher on some draft boards. Um, did you notice that he slipped down a bunch? Well, I'll say you heard me chirping about him last off season too, because Calipari in Kentucky wanted this guy really badly. Okay. And it came down to the end, and he ended up going to his hometown Washington program, along with Isaiah Stewart, who was picked higher in the draft. So I'll give you the rundown on him. Jalen McDaniels, his brother, went to San Diego State, I believe. This Jaden McDaniels was much more highly rated, and he was big-time prospect. McDonald's All-American type, and every program in the country wanted him. He decided to stay home. They had a poor season at Washington, so that hurt his draft stock, I feel like. The question with him kind of was effort and motor and how much do you care about winning because it felt like he knew he was going to be a first-round pick. And as you see, he barely slipped into that first round. But had he had a better freshman season, he definitely would have been a lottery pick. This is a 6'10 guy that's listed as a power forward. I got to see him play a bunch this season. He's really more of a wing. This is a guy that... Looks like he tried to pattern his game after Kevin Durant. In no way am I comparing the two, but this is a lengthy wing that likes to play out on the perimeter. He can play the four. I think he probably will start as a four in the NBA, but if he ever reaches his full potential, he's going to be playing the three and playing on the wing, I would say. He's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but if he can ever get it together up here, I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I really do. So it's a maturity thing, I guess it sounds like. 100%. Yeah. 
Hmm. All right. Well, I don't, I don't know if Minnesota's the greatest place to go. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ryan Saunders can, uh, you know, get him in line. We'll see. But uh, yeah, regardless, uh, Minnesota should be an interesting team to watch next year. I mean, I think they'll uh, probably have a few nationally televised games, especially with Edwards. So yeah, we'll see how the young guys do. Um, it's always fun watching teams uh, like the Pelicans last year. They had a bunch of young guys. It was kind of kind of fun watching them, even though they had uh, some veterans, uh, you know, standing in their way. But uh, yeah. Always fun to see, uh, you know, who ends up leading the pack out of all the young guys. I mean, in this case, it'll probably be Edwards. But we'll move on to number 27, the Raptors. This is another pick. Oh, my God. It was not traded. The Toronto Raptors picked Malachi Flynn, a four-year point guard out of, well, actually, he was originally at Washington State red-shirted after his sophomore year and went to San Diego State. So, three-year guy. So, he is technically a four-year guy. He got his degree. He just had to sit one of those four years out, so he only played three years. Okay. That's how the traditional transfer used to work. It doesn't work that way as much anymore, but he did it the proper way. All right, Malachi. Good man, good man. Um, so... I mean, I'm assuming they picked a guy like this. I, I and it seems like maybe more people are willing to pick these four-year guards with the expectation that they'll come in and play right away. I mean, that's probably the Celtics' idea with Pritchard, but especially after seeing players like Malcolm Bragdon, uh, Brogdon, and um, Fred Van Vliet uh, becoming such important role players in uh, the playoffs, uh, even even becoming like third fourth options almost so i think these these four-year guards that seem like they can play right away have a lot more value uh is this probably the case with flynn actually i'm gonna ask you this who who do you think has a higher upside flynn or pritchard put you on the spot that's a really interesting question who was the better college player? I would say almost definitely Peyton Pritchard. Okay. And it's kind of funny because, like you mentioned, Malachi Flynn started in the Pac-12 as well, and he was at a pretty poor program, Washington State. Oregon is like a perennial power anymore out there. They're on UCLA's level out west, USC. They're probably better than both of those programs, as a matter of fact. So they've taken over as kind of the premier program out there. Pritchard got to grow within that program, so he had a better culture in college. San Diego State, though, at their level where Malachi Flynn ended up, they are also a power on the West Coast now. They're considered kind of a mid-major because they're not in as big of a conference as the Pac-12. But so Flynn went from a losing culture to having this one year at San Diego State where San Diego State was undefeated into February this year. Like he was the leader of a team that was a top-five team pre-pandemic. I would lean Pritchard. Uh, but I think it's very close, and I'll say this about Malachi Flynn. The first thing I thought when I saw that the Raptors picked him, and I heard other pundits saying this as well, this is such a Toronto Raptors pick. Knowing the little that I know about them over the last three or four years, 
this is like a Fred Van Vliet type of player that, you know, Fred Van Vliet slipped much further, obviously went undrafted, but the talent level is probably similar with Malachi Flynn and Fred Van Vliet and their production level at the college level is very similar. This was, you know, one of the best players in his conference. This was a guy that can score, can distribute. I saw some games this year where Malachi Flynn just single-handedly led his team back. Same thing with Peyton Pritchard, though. So that's that's a very close call, but I would lean Pritchard, and I do think whether Van Vliet comes back or not, Malachi Flynn is going to find his way onto that roster and play meaningful minutes at some point. Maybe not right away, but he'll be there two, three, four years from now, I would guess. This is not going to be a bust. Okay. Uh, was Terrence Davis another four-year guy? Or was he... I, I believe he was. Because that, that's another that's guy. That's another the interesting found. comparison, yes. Well, something happened with him recently. Uh, Terrence Davis. Yeah, these NBA players are getting in some trouble this offseason. What happened with Terrence Davis? Uh... <laughs> Allegedly assaulted a woman in New York City. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, that that's kind of the impression I got when they... Th- this guy just reminds me so much of Van Vliet. Like, a, you know, he's 6'1". I think Van Vliet is 6 feet tall. Uh, both, you know, were... Had extended stays in college. If you saw their games, they play very similarly, too. Yeah. So maybe they're preparing for losing him. Could, could. I I think uh, there's definitely going to be a team out there that's going to try and overpay Van Vliet. But uh, as crazy as it sounds, well, maybe it's not that crazy. I think the, the Raptors will, uh, will uh, try and keep him. Might uh, might cost like nearly thirty million dollars. Which can you imagine four years ago if we said Fred VanVleet gonna be making uh, Kemba Walker money? I don't think he would have even believed you. Probably not. Well, he's a pretty confident guy. He he might have, but uh, um, I I think the funniest thing is uh, t- Tyler Johnson finding out his uh contract in 2016 and nearly fainting (laughs) 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 i'm getting how much do i deserve this (laughs) that was how crazy uh 2016 was um not as much money going around this year but van vliet i mean nba champion uh god it was really just a pest to the celtics in the playoffs but at the same time i'm watching him and like i i don't hate him like he uh he's not like uh he's not like one of those annoying like bragging types. He's just just plays hard. I, I would want him on my team. So, so does Drake. Drake wants him. Um So we'll move on uh to the thirtieth pick, which was originally our pick. That we traded to the Bucks for two future second round picks. I mean, who knows when we're gonna get these picks? Maybe they're twenty twenty four second round picks. Maybe they're twenty thirty four second round picks. I don't even know if you can trade for picks that far away. <laughs> but 
clearly the Celtics just had way too many uh, spots on the roster. Uh, not, not enough roster spots to fill. So, Greeny, the Bucks picked, uh, not the Bucks, uh, the Grizzlies picked Desmond Bain. Are the Celtics going to regret not taking this guy? You can be honest. You can be honest. So I feel like in the lead-up to this draft, the two names you heard most as far as the best shooters in the draft were Neesmith and Bain. So one or the other, I think their skill sets are probably very similar as far as how it translates to the NBA immediately. You never know with these guys. I think Desmond Bain was in college a little bit longer than Neesmith, so maybe the younger guy has the higher upside. But also Neesmith had the injury too. So it's tough to say, although neither played on a great team in college. They were both kind of the man at their schools, so they're both going to have to adjust to a different role, obviously, in the NBA. They are first-round picks, but they're not going to be scoring 20 a night like they were for their college team. So it's going to be whoever adjusts to their role the best, I would say. I think that one's probably a toss-up. Oh, man, it's it's really going to hurt if this guy ends up being even, like, a decent rotation player. And it's going to be like, what the hell? We just gave up this guy for, like, two second-rounders that will probably never stick on our roster. I don't know. It could be bad. We'll see. I usually do not like the idea of trading any kind of first-round pick for future seconds. But I don't know. I I don't know. We it, it's literally we have to wait and see. That's all. Now we're on to the second round. We're gonna take a break. Uh, this draft has been uh, sponsored by F5Season.com. Go to that website. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, we're gonna pause here. Hello and welcome to the second round of the 2020 edition of the Green Eggs and Sam podcast. Why is eggs in the name? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Greeny had eggs this morning. <laughs> at a very good diner. A, a, a great diner. They, uh, they, You can get breakfast any time of the day. Or, you know, you can get a burger at 7 a.m. You can get a good burger. I got chicken nuggets at 11 a.m., and they were great. Dipped them in honey mustard. Good to go. Oh, by the way, this program's been sponsored by the Hellertown Diner. <laughs> Anyways, we're on to the second round. Uh, so the way we're going to do this is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of second round picks, and let's be honest, some of these picks do not end up even playing in an NBA game, um, uh, and they're very likely to contribute much to an NBA team. I mean, I feel like every year there's a few guys that uh, you see go in the second round, you're like, oh man, they fell all the way there? Oh, teams missed out on them. You know, I'm thinking like uh, the Paul Millsaps, Isaiah Thomas... Those types of guys, uh, Norman Powell, another guy, uh, of course, one of the most famous ones being uh, Nikola Jokic, who was picked during a commercial break. 
But, uh, you know, I think we're going to uh, pick out a few guys. Uh, let's, uh, let's do this, Greeny. So from 31 to 40. You got the list there? Okay. I do, yes. Okay. Why don't you pick three guys out of that bunch and tell me who you think's going to be uh, the most impactful player? And you can start with uh, the one that was uh, picked the lowest. So you're going to have to help me out with where these guys went. I'm not sure that I have the accurate information here, but I'll start with number 32. It looks like a Charlotte pick. Vernon Carey, center out of Duke. Yep, yep, yep. Is uh, that where he's going to end up in Charlotte? Yeah, it looks like that, at least according to Wikipedia. Okay. So this is an interesting pick to me. This is a highly sought-after recruit that was a McDonald's All-American, one and done at Duke. At some points in the season, it looked like he was going to be a top 15 pick, maybe a lottery pick. This is a traditional big guy that's going to play a lot of back to the basket so he's a little bit of a dinosaur as far as the nba goes and that's why he slipped obviously but just like anything if you can be really effective at your craft they'll find a role for you they'll find a spot for you this is somebody you can dump it down to and get buckets in the paint he's got a decent looking jump shot really improved his free throw shooting throughout the course of the season too which was an issue early on for him. He's got an athletic heritage. His father, Vernon Carey Sr., played college football at the U. He was a first-round draft pick in the NFL about 15 years ago, played almost 10 years in the NFL. So he's got very athletic bloodlines. And I think this guy is going to be a contributor. We'll see to what extent. But he's definitely going to make this roster, and I think he'll be able to score in the NBA right away. I think the other issue, uh, besides kind of being a back-to-the-basket big, you worry about him defensively. I think he'll be able to rebound at an NBA level down low, but we'll see about shot blocking and uh, yeah, defending other bigs that can stretch the floor. All right, so it sounds like a, a good backup big to have, no basically. Doubt. Yeah, and Charlotte, uh, they don't have too many bigs on their rosters. Um, they had, uh, I think Biombo was on the team this year. He's a free agent now. I think he was their backup big man for the most part. Uh, obviously, they still have Cody Zeller on the final year of his deal. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll see uh, some uh, Lamelo to Vernon lobs, perhaps, maybe. Very possibly, yeah. Yeah. Maybe if this guy's a dinosaur, he might not have hops, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, okay, sounds like a good pickup for Charlotte. The uh, guy sounds talented for um, what he is. Um, what's uh, your next pick? So this is another big that is somewhat similar to Vernon Carey. He's a little bit older, but I'm looking at number 35, Sacramento, Xavier Tillman. I'm not sure where he's ending up. Is he going to be in Sacramento? It looks like he's going to be in Memphis. Okay. Going to the Grizzlies. So he's getting dealt post-draft day. And this is a four-year big man at Michigan State that could have left probably after two or three years. He was very productive pretty much all four years at Michigan State. Was it, was it four or three? I believe it was four. He's uh -oh. junior. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. 
I missed that one, huh? It's all good. It's all good, Greeny. Greeny, you're rarely wrong. <laughs> we can even cut that out if you okay. want. Um, no, I can live with that. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, this was a guy that played since his true freshman year and put up numbers for Michigan State. Started a family while he was at Michigan State. He's a father of two already. So this is a good, solid human being. Knows how to be an adult. And... On the floor, he's going to be a traditional big. He, he's got a little more range than Vernon Carey, I would say. But he's going to be a bit big-time pick-and-roll offensive player. He's going to bang down low. He's definitely going to be able to rebound at an NBA clip. I don't think he's got the athleticism, so that's another reason why this guy slips into the second round. And I like, uh, I like the fact that he played big-time minutes at a big-time program for three years. So we'll see if he ends up getting minutes. But I think this was a guy that had first-round talent at one time. Yeah, I don't know how um, how many minutes this guy's going to get um, just because uh, Valanchunas is on the Grizzlies. He starts for them, um, making uh, about $15 million for the next couple seasons. And they actually acquired uh, Gorgie Dang, Gorgie Dang, Jang, um, at the previous trade deadline. He's he's actually their highest paid player, making seventeen million dollars in the final year of his contract extension this year. So uh, I I think he's probably gonna get some of uh, the backup big man minutes, if not most. Uh, maybe they move him at the trade deadline maybe he does a buyout to go to uh, a more competitive team I'd say it's all on the table um, even I I think they were doing some small ball with uh, Brandon Clark playing the five at some points I could see that yeah um, so yeah uh, maybe this guy can get some uh, some spot minutes in the right lineup um, this is a team that can uh know still experiment they're pretty young you know John Moran uh Jaron Jackson both being 21 years old that's interesting I was just thinking about Jaron Jackson I believe that means Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson came in together in the same class at Michigan State if he was in fact a junior last year so Jaron Jackson was very highly rated and Xavier Tillman was not quite so highly rated and he really had to work for everything he got Interesting. I think there's actually a bunch of players who previously played at the same college together on this team. I think there's uh, there's multiple. Uh, let me look at the roster here. Uh, yes, yeah, so you got a bunch of Duke guys and Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen. Um, Let's see, there might be another one. Yeah, they're all the same recruiting class, too. That's really interesting. Yeah. That was their national championship freshman recruiting class. This is a pretty young team, and it's funny. I never really looked at uh, Gorgie Jang being, like, an old player. Like, it seems like he was just drafted yesterday, <laughs> but he's now 30 years old. <laughs> so he's he's actually older than I am, Gorgie Jang. Um, so... Um, yeah, this is a team that can experiment a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see uh, 
Tillman gets some minutes. Uh, who's your last uh, pick of the bunch here? I'm going to go to number 38, and it looks like a Utah pick, Saban Lee. Let's I'm not sure where he's going to end up. Let's double check that here. Saban Lee, Pistons. Okay. So this is a guard out of Vanderbilt. This was your boy Neesmith's running mate at Vanderbilt. This was another talented guard. I believe this was a four-year guy. If not, it was another three-year guy. This was a yep. veteran guy. Yep. This played is a, a lot of basketball at Vanderbilt. Yep, three-year guy. Yep. And this is another one whose father was an NFL player. <laughs> what? His father was named Ampley and played for the great 49ers teams of the early to mid-90s. No way. So he played with Steve Young? Steve Young. Jerry Rice? Oh, yeah. Jerry Rice. He played with the Hall of Famers. No way. He was like a third down back. So this is another guy that has learned what it's like to be a professional athlete growing up, and I think that's a great benefit to a lot of these guys coming up through the ranks, whether they're playing football or basketball, just knowing the ropes of what it takes to be a pro athlete. But on the floor, this guy is a big-time scorer and was asked to shoulder a lot of the burden a couple years ago after Darius Garland got hurt at Vanderbilt. He stepped in. He was not expected to be the lead guard. Darius Garland obviously was, but he stepped in and picked up the scoring slack. And then when Neesmith got hurt this past season, this became the lead dog again at Vanderbilt. So he has a lot of experience shouldering a lot of the burden on what was not a great team. And, you know, he's going to have to get used to getting other players involved I would say because he kind of had free reign at Vanderbilt he could kind of score whenever he wanted to take whatever shots he wanted to but he put up the numbers and I think he's a good enough athlete to defend point guards in the NBA from day one so I think this is a guy that's going to make a roster and maybe make a name for himself down the road definitely especially the Pistons it's just a complete blank slate aside from Blake Griffin and Derek Rose for the most part. And uh they have uh Svi I can't pronounce his last name, but he Mikai Luke. Kansas, yes. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if he was a foreign guy. Um that's why uh figured you might not have known his name. But uh sounds like he played in uh played uh Former college Laker, ball in the US. Correct. Yep, yep, Lakers straight him. He was a four year guy, I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think uh he was in the Reggie Bullock trade to the Lakers, one of the big moves that Magic Johnson did before he resigned. Um, so, yeah, Saban Lee, hey, you want to play 30 minutes a game? You probably will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I like the upside there. So that's a good spot to go if you're a rookie, Detroit, because you will get the green light. Okay, so now we'll do numbers forty one through fifty. Let's pick two guys who are on your radar who um who uh, you know, think have the chance of really making an impact in the NBA or at least just making the rotation, you know, getting a a nice second contract. Can we go forty one through forty nine and then fifty through sixty? Yeah, sure. Okay. Obviously I'm gonna start with number forty two. My guy, Nick Richards, out of the University of Kentucky. Hey. So this is a New Orleans pick from what I saw, but he's going to Charlotte, am I right? Yep, going to Charlotte. So he's going to duke it out with Vernon Carey, previously mentioned, mm -hmm. for 
potentially back up big man minutes. And we'll see what happens between those two. But I think they're both very good NBA prospects, guys that were, you know, big-time recruits. Nick Richards was kind of a late bloomer at Kentucky. We get so many one-and-dones. This guy was there for multiple years and had a tough freshman and sophomore year. He started as a freshman, then came off the bench as a sophomore. He lost his spot to a graduate transfer and then ended up as a junior coming back and having a big-time all-conference type of season. He was the best big man in the SEC last year. So I could have seen him, in my, uh, my biased opinion, going a bit higher than 42. But, uh, yeah, he's going to make a roster. He's going to get some minutes. He's a very bouncy athlete. He's seven foot. He's got a 7'5 wingspan. He's going to block shots. He's going to rebound. When he got to Kentucky, out of New York City, he did not have any kind of a mid-range jump shot. He is money from the mid-range now, and he shoots 75% from the free throw line. So this is a guy, like I said, very tall, very, very long, and has a very confident stroke. There's not many college big men that, uh, that could say that anymore. So I'm very pleased to see him go to a place where he's going to get some minutes early on between him and Vernon Carey. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte, as we said before, really they only have one big man on the roster. It's Cody Zeller. So, yeah, but it, it makes sense, you know, pick up uh, some big men. Uh, have them, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, have them fight it out in uh, summer league training camp or whatever, but we're not really going to get one this season. It's kind of like, uh, all right, here, play a couple uh, scrimmage games. Okay, seasons, we're starting the season. I feel like that lends itself to some of these veteran guys that we're talking about. So of the few that you've asked me to speak on here, you got Vernon Carey, who is the young buck. But then you got Tillman, Lee, and Richards, who are both, or all, I'm sorry, all three played three years in college. So they're going to be a little more NBA ready than the 19 or 20 year old kid that's played one year out of high school. So Nick Richards, he played with Kevin Knox then. He was the same recruiting yep. class as Kevin Knox. He is joining his front court running mate, PJ Washington. Uh, that's right. From that's the right. same recruiting class. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting dynamic as well. Mm hmm. Ah, you know, maybe the Knicks make a trade acquiring these two. Someday. Never know. Um, so let's do one more guy up. Um, you said you want to do till forty nine. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at number forty five here. Okay. Uh, looks like a Milwaukee pick. Yep. Jordan Wara, forward out of our rival Louisville. This is another three-year guy. This is another veteran, another guy that played a lot of college basketball in his career. This is a former Rick Pitino recruit. Never actually got to play for, for Pitino because of his uh, transgressions while at Louisville. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> yep. Jordan Wara is a very versatile wing. 6'8", six, 6'9", six, very long. Not super athletic, but he's really got a great three-point jump shot that he has developed while in college. He didn't have it when he got there to Louisville. The issue with him, the reason he has slipped, was kind of similar to what we were talking about with Jaden McDaniels, the freshman out of Washington who slipped to the late first round. Would have been a lottery pick otherwise. It's a motor thing. It's a motivation thing. It's an attitude thing. 
this guy, Jordan War, is a surefire first-round pick if he's showing up every night giving 100%. So that's what they got to get out of him in the NBA because the talent is there. This guy has got all the raw talent you need. He's going to play the three mostly. I think he could play a little bit of even shooting guard. He could probably defend some shooting guards. It's a little lean to play the four in the NBA, I would say. But, again, this is somebody that's going to be able to come in and contribute in the current NBA climate, knowing that there's not going to be a ton of preseason, there's not going to be a ton of G League. This is somebody you might want to have on your expanded roster, assuming they do that in the NBA this year. He'll be able to step in and play NBA minutes pretty much right away. Yeah, that's surprising. You'd imagine he'd go sooner, um, especially considering that forwards are are hard to come by these days. Good forwards are hard to come by, but you know it really must be an issue with his motor then. But I do think uh, Milwaukee would be a good spot to go to. Um, you know, with the leadership of uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton, um, I'm sure they'll get a couple other veteran guys uh, at the end of the roster to, you know, keep up, keep people motivated. Mike Budenholzer, um, great coach, great regular season coach, you know, at least. <laughs> that's an interesting aspect of this, too, and I wasn't thinking of it in terms of this. Chris Middleton is what? A 6'8", two guard, essentially, is he not? Yeah, he's around 6'8". This guy is in that mold. Mm. I don't know that Chris Middleton had the motor issues at Texas A&M, but I do know he was a second-round pick also. I, I think he might have been picked in the same spot. This is a guy that I could see, you know, maybe filling okay. a role like that down the road. Maybe not being a max guy, but I think that he'll be able to step in and take some minutes away from Chris Middleton and put up points at least. Yeah, I at the beginning of the podcast, you we were talking about uh, second-round picks who panned out. Completely forgot Chris Middleton. Uh, it wasn't picked in the 40s, but he was picked 39th in 2012. Um, <laughs> picked by Detroit, who essentially uh, gave him away for nothing. And he turns out to be uh, just a great NBA player. Oh, my God, he's a pain in my side um, from my Celtics. But... Um, yeah, I mean, the Milwaukee, they just traded, like, so many people on their roster. I mean, it looks like the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade might have fallen apart. Um, so maybe DJ Wilson and, um, who's the other guy, Dante DiVincenzo, they might remain on the roster unless they figure that out. It sounds like Ersan Ilyasova was waived, so, you know, he certainly won't be taking any minutes away. So I do think the the Bucks need some bench depth. So so uh, yeah, this guy sounds like he definitely get minutes. Yeah, he should provide some scoring punch at very least. I would say. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, so we're at the very end of the draft. Um, usually not too many guys who contribute um, in the fifties or who are picked in the fifties. That might be a fun experiment to look at, actually. The best uh, player picked in the 50s who has uh, contributed to an NBA team. Or number 60, maybe Isaiah Thomas. I I mean, yeah, I was going to say it would obviously be Isaiah, but he was technically picked 60. There you go. (laughs) That's why 50. Like, I can't even. Like, uh, Paul Millsap, I think, was in the high 40s. Like, I. There isn't one guy in the 50s that uh, 
that I think of right away. But uh, anyways, uh, is there anyone who uh, who caught your eye? I see a couple nice picks here. I guess I'll start with number 50 itself, uh, Skylar Mays, guard out of LSU. Here I go, picking these veterans again. This guy was definitely a four-year guy. <laughs> yep. Saw him play a lot of basketball at LSU. And to me, that's what's going to make him ready, especially in a season like this. He's not the super athlete that you like to see at the guard slot, but he could play on the ball or off the ball. He's very clutch down the stretch. I've seen him be the go-to guy for LSU over the years, probably since his sophomore year. That's who they're looking for, for buckets at the end of a game. He's done better than most at the end of games, I would say. So the comparison that I kind of think of when I see Skylar Mays playing and we saw in the first round Malachi Flynn go to Toronto much higher than Skylar Mays went. But he's kind of a, fr a Fred Van Vliet type player. He's going to be scrappy. He's not a super athlete, but he's going to make shots and he's going to defend. That would obviously be on the high end when you're getting picked number 50. But there you go. There's another guy that was not selected and ended up having a great NBA career to this point. So yeah. maybe Skylar Mays can start out as a backup point guard and go from there. Yeah, he's going to play on the Hawks, so uh, there's rumors that Rondo might go there. So, yeah, maybe Rondo can mentor this guy. That would be a great tutor for somebody like this. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we'll give you one more guy here. I know that uh, a lot of these guys may not even well, – actually, it seems like I'm looking at the names and uh, – you know, it looks like a lot of them are f played um, played in America, played in American colleges. It's not uh, guys from overseas. It's usually the overseas guys that never come over. So perhaps uh, a lot of these guys will, will make the rosters. Um, but who do you got? I'm going to look here at number 54 going to Indiana, it looks like to me. Cassius Stanley. Out of Duke. Yep, yep, going to the Pacers. So there's several here. We've got back-to-back -back Cassius. Yep. Feel bad leaving Cassius Winston out. Great college player, another four-year guy. But I'm going to go to Cassius Stanley from Duke. One and done. This is an athlete that can jump out of the gym. This is somebody that many thought were probably a first-round pick right out of Duke after one year. So I'm not 100% sure as to why he slipped this far. Yeah, that's that's pretty far. He doesn't have a real developed jump shot, but this is a two guard that's going to play on the wing. He could probably defend some threes in the NBA too. He's about six five, and uh, obviously has the athleticism to defend on the wing in the NBA. Hopefully, he develops a jump shot. That would be the only drawback I would say at this point. But you can't teach that kind of athleticism. This guy broke Zion's high jump record at Duke. His oh freshman my god so what? that's hard to argue with right there it's just going to be the refinement of his nba basketball game what he can do what level he can take it to well he's going to the pacers um i mean we're recording this before free agency so we're not exactly sure what's going to happen with uh the pacers roster i mean victor oladipo it sounds like he wants out um they got Malcolm Brogdon there right now. T.J. McConnell's one of their backups. Um, so I'm not sure what kind of opportunities this guy will get. Let me see what else they have. Uh, 
Of course, uh, they got uh, Sabonis, but uh, Miles Turner is still on the team. But in terms of guards, um, yeah, it's really just Oladipo and Brogdon. And they got McConnell off the bench. Oh, Aaron Holiday, that's right. He's He's been a pretty good player for them. Uh, good guard. Um, so he's got some competition, this guy, Cassius Stanley. This is a different skill set, though, than any of those guys. Like I said, we'll see if he can develop that outside game, but this is a high flyer. What, T.J. McConnell's not a high flyer? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. It, it depends on, I guess, what the new coaching staff is going to look for out of those wing positions. Maybe he's a developmental guy, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done my pick, who I think is going to be the best All right, in the NBA it. draft. Um, so, you know, this guy's going to be incredible, let me tell you. Your 2028 Finals MVP, Yam Madar. Let's oh, do yeah. it. Let's do it. The Celtics got a winner here at number 47. I saw his highlights, and uh, he had a nice dunk. So the commentary last night, though, was that this is a nice draft and stash. I guess. They we said will. that about Gershon Yabuselli as so well. We might not know. <laughs> Yamadar. Yeah, All right. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, you know. 2028 Finals MVP. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. That that's it, Davy. Thank you for coming thank on. Thank you very much for our uh, edition of the 2020 uh, NBA Draft. Green Eggs and Sam. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hopefully, we'll get you on for 2021. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Um, I never really talked about the NBA as much like this, and I actually really enjoyed it. It was awesome talking with you guys. Nor did I, and that's a credit to Sam Kane here. This was a great idea, concocted probably six years ago now, five, six years ago. Yeah, and I got this idea from listening to Bill Simmons. Thank you for listening, guys, and uh, yeah. Get ready for free agency. It's almost here. More basketball, finally. Gordon Hayward, don't leave us. Bye-bye.